has to be completely true. Inject into it even the smallest falsehood, and we are left with a lie, one that is all the more powerful and deceptive because of its proximity to the real thing. We live in a time when cults are sprouting up everywhere and thriving like weeds. There are many reasons for this, the growth of moral relativism and multiculturalism, coupled with the explosion of information transfer technologies, are among the more notable. But there is perhaps one preeminent reason, one that is completely the fault of the church. The Bible declares that the church is the pillar and buttress of the truth, a fortress that stands against the father of all lies the evil, deceiving spirit that ultimately stands behind every cult. Furthermore, Christians are called to be salt and light, a people who can restrain sinful man's natural tendency towards spiritual decay and darkness. That clip that you just heard was from a DVD called The Marks of a Cult by the Apologetics Group. Shout out to the Apologetics Group. Yeah, they, that DVD came out quite a few years ago. Uh, and it goes through what's called the the four marks of a cult, which we'll be talking about in today's episode. Uh, uh, but today is just me and geology. So you got Mike the Baptist, geology in the building. Uh, Ivan, unfortunately, whatever he calls himself, uh, the what is average, it? the average religion, uh, man. religion man. He is not with us today. Um, pray for your brother, Ivan. He was in a car accident uh, just yesterday, and so he's currently recovering, and so uh, prayers go out to him and his family. Uh, but today, we're going to dive into some some pretty interesting topics as it as it relates to the occult, the presence of cults in, in our culture, uh, And but we're really going to focus in on uh, our brother G, uh, what he experienced in terms of cults, what he knows about cults. And, and it's a really interesting episode. Uh, shout out to our sponsors, Matthew Movement. Check out matthewmovement.com. And, uh, and you can always reach us on our Facebook, our, uh, our, our YouTube page. We're doing, SoundCloud. Yeah, we're doing pretty decent on, on those, uh, on those uh, avenues. So check us out there. Uh, send us a message. Leave us a comment. You can always email us at proofbeyondreason at gmail.com. And, uh, and so tune in. It's a good episode. Hey, Mike, do you remember when back in the day in uh, episode one when I talked about the occult? Yes, I do. It's crazy. Uh, for those of you who do not know, briefly, I did explain it, but I was actually part of the occult. I started out as an atheist. It moved my way up into some Jewish mysticism known as the Kabbalah and then worked my way into Gnosticism, agnosticism, and then a little bit into Thelema, which is magic and from there on continued on witchcraft so so g has really touched a lot of what cult life is and what the occult uh embodies and uh and today as we mentioned before the main focus of our episode will be to discuss the occult or cultic practices in our country um you know with the rise of so much information as we talked about in previous episodes there's just this confusion of ideas, confusion of what it means to be and to hold specific worldviews to the degree that you have someone just, uh, you know, talking about uh, mixing this, a melting pot of 
you know, this is how the world was created in, in one worldview, and then they hold a whole different worldview when it comes to the meaning of life, and they hold a totally different worldview when it comes to um, where we go and, and, and all that and what community means and uh, morality, just, just holding all kinds of different uh, thoughts and, and thought processes and really the, the rise of the cults in our society is partly to blame for that and um and so g really has firsthand experience when it comes to working living within the realm of cult life and so you know scripture says that that there will be opposition to god in fact there's always been opposition to god uh, even when we look at the word of god we see immediately uh within the story of uh of, of scripture where it talks about uh, you know, in the beginning, when Adam and Eve opposed and, and, and they had the, the serpent say, you know, did God really say, and he's questioning God's word, you have the opposition from the beginning. You have it when, um, you know, when, when, when in the story where Lucifer, you know, challenges God and, 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 and convinces the angels to, to oppose God, um, there's a sense of rebellion because God allowed that to happen. God allowed uh, there to be uh, you know, a choice really. And regardless of whatever theology you embrace, you know, reformed or not, there's this reality that God gave, uh, at the time, uh, of creation. And even to present day, you know, there's a sense in reality that there's a choice that we make. There's a choice that we have to either worship him or not. And at this point in our, in our, in our, in our, uh, anthropology, we're in a position where, our nature is so corrupt that the choice that we have is we really don't have a choice. Our nature is so corrupt that we we will always lean towards rebellion against God. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and so we, we don't love him. We rebel against him. We want everything but him. And as a result of that, Satan, the demons, all the powers, the principalities of the world want to oppose God and the freedom and the love that he has. Because the false promises that Satan gave to Adam and Eve are the same false promises that he gave to us. I mean, when, when you know, he says, uh, uh, you know, essentially like God's trying to ward you and keep you away from the knowledge of good and evil. Or you'll, you'll know, rather, you'll know uh, good and evil if you, if you take this, if you follow me. They already knew what was right and wrong because they knew when they were lying. They knew when they were covering up. So they already had an awareness. It wasn't that they didn't know. It wasn't there or it wasn't that God was never going to give them certain access to certain knowledge. It was just at that moment, God was testing them and and giving them the choice to say, obey me, love me or do whatever you you want to do. But these will be the consequences. They knew that they knew that. And so they had to experience it. And now to present day, we experience it where, you know, we have everything around us is sin like it's crazy i remember dude he's telling me um you know scripture and you know there's this there's a debate you know about our tattoos okay you know uh can we get a tattoo well in leviticus it says this and you can't get a tattoo and uh you know some people agree with it some people don't they say well that's old testament and or they say well that was speaking specifically about witchcraft blah blah, blah. regardless of where you stand in the argument one of the arguments that they bring up is that oh well in the same verse, it talks about cutting my hair on the side. So are you telling me my haircut is sin? I would argue that 
yet everything that we do is in opposition to God. Everything we want, all of our desires, our customs, everything. And, and, and the, the good news is that because of Christ, we have now freedom. We are free. And we don't have to be bound by these, you know, these laws anymore. We're, we're free because he is the fulfillment of the law. He, the, the law is present for us to reflect and see our sin, but he has given us freedom by being the fulfillment of the law, granting us access to God, redeeming us so that we can be called children of God. And, and so that, yeah, my haircut's not in question. My diet is not in question. My, my you know, what I, what I wear, if it's baggy jeans, if it's whatever— it's not in question because he paid for it all and I surrender to him because I need to. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, a, a cultic thing. It's a, it's a thing that me, Mike, Gio, we need Jesus because apart from him is death. Yep. Apart from him is, is enslavement. Apart from him is corruption. Apart from him is, is counterfeit. And so we, we desire as people, as sinful people, we want all the counterfeits. And so what do the counterfeits look like? You know, when we look at how everything tries to be a substitute for the real God, the only God, the true God, we have all of these uh, uh, different devotions. Um, and, you That's know... That's where the cults come in. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when I look at... Um, we're looking at we were, we were we were actually just looking at uh, the apologetics group and they have a, a DVD um, you know shout out to the apologetics group shout out um, you know we have a DVD uh, they have a DVD rather uh, where they talk about the marks of a cult and essentially the angle that they work it at is to say well a cult exists um, when it opposes obviously the word of God but these are the marks of a cult uh, based on that group. And they say uh, there are four, there are four marks in which you can determine what is a cult. So, first mark of a cult is that they uh, they add to scripture. So, scripture is, uh, and we'll talk about this in a whole another episode about you know the truth of scripture and the historical relevance of scripture um, and 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 all that good stuff. We'll we'll take a whole segment to talk about that, um, but. Uh, the scripture is a canon of 66 books written by about 40 different authors in three different languages, verified through history, um, uh, you know, tested throughout all times, tested by kings and, and poor people alike. And it embraces and, and includes uh, all, um, you know, all education backgrounds, all economic backgrounds, um, all you know people groups like there's no discrimination as far as uh embracing and adopting and this gift of jesus um and, and so cults will add to god's word and they'll say well yeah the, god's word is great but you know you also have to read this book and you have to you have to read this philosophy and you have to believe this thing and we see that a lot in the mormons or jehovah's witnesses where they add in the watchtower for example right right and you see it in those uh, that claim to be uh, or want to be included within the Christian realm uh, or to be followers of Jesus, but in reality they have uh, there's an alternate agenda which G will jump in uh, on in a second. But the other uh, mark of a cult is that they subtract from the deity of Christ. Now the historical Jesus um, has been shown and 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 testified about 
regarding his resurrection and his resurrection and and his his time here on earth following the resurrection his ascension um it, it points to what he not only did once he was crucified but even before that the the miracles the the things that were just preposterous like what in the world he's healing he's doing all these things he's and we're not just talking about biblical accounts we're talking about like non-biblical as well right and and even the biblical accounts are historical documents that of people uh speaking about specific time periods speaking about specific locations and identifying other historical people where you can verify their accounts exactly. and so um you know just having uh, uh jesus reveal himself in such a way that was in such a miraculous way that cults will tend to want to subtract from his deity subtract from who he said he was who he proved that he was uh in his life death and his resurrection um cults also seek to multiply the works that are necessary for you to be saved you know you got to dress a certain way you can't wear this makeup you got to make sure your hair is slicked back this way you got to shave you have to get a job in an office um just so many different works that you have to do uh that really disqualify us from a relationship with god because then we become self-righteous we become uh, foolish in our thinking. And, and so the only way to salvation is uh, by faith, through grace alone in the person of Jesus. Yep. Only he has paid for our sin and through him, his works, not my works, because my works I fail every day. Right before the podcast, my thoughts, maybe I was angry when I was driving here or, or whatever, my intentions. I fall short every moment, but thanks be to Christ that through him, uh, all of my debts have been paid. And so it's through him alone that salvation is, is earned, not through my work. So cults will add to the works. You got to, you got to dress in a suit and ride a bike and, 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 and testify about the religion, um, all these things. And then the last part of the mark of a cult based on that um, the apologetics group is that they tend to divide uh, people from, uh, from believers, essentially. Uh, and so they divide the church. And this is particularly relevant when you have the start of a cult in that someone rises up within the church to seek power, to seek a following, and, and they, they, you know, create this whatever it is the and prosperity cult it, it, all these cults yeah and they and they create a following to say hey follow me i have the truth and suddenly you have a new sect or you have a new um uh, a masquerade ma masquerading of what seems to be biblical christianity uh when in fact it's not yep. um so with these marks of a cult and and kind of seeing how the presence of things that try to be Christian or really don't care if they want to be Christian. Where are we seeing these different uh, cult-like activities? And maybe it has nothing even to do with, with Christianity. Maybe, you know, uh, as far as wanting to be compared to Christianity. But the reality is all cults are opposing the true God, right? That This is where, where we're trying to get into the essence is that all cults and all cult, cultish activity seeks to oppose and point the middle finger 
at God, the creator of, of heaven and earth, all that is seen is in, in unseen, uh, where he revealed himself as Yahweh. Um, th this God that we speak of, um, where's the presence? Where are we seeing all these cults at? I mean, we're seeing them everywhere. So like we were saying, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, how they preach about Jesus being Michael. We could see further down, um, going down even to Freemasonry, where it's an acceptance of all religions. And yes, we're not in a safe house, so you'll hear cars passing yeah, by. Yeah, we're, we're in somewhere else. Um, <laughs> so anyway. But yes, you keep seeing them peer in slowly in the church we see in the prosperity gospels we see that uh say for example some people even question now is god actually a trinity we'll have separations of god the father and then you have the son but the son is considered another god which in itself is self-defeating in scripture itself because scripture actually reveals the trinity aspect of god but continuing on even further, we start seeing it within life, within schools. Schools are now preaching as well, introducing some of the things like I was reading an article in Facebook. I saw it. Someone posted schools introducing even Muslim teachings, which is crazy in itself because we see not even uh, Muslims or, say, for example, Hinduism in itself as religion itself. That can be even considered a cult in itself as well. Yeah, I mean, the... the um this rise of, of yoga, yoga yep. practices. And, you know, I've practiced martial arts for a number of years, and I actually appreciate some of the, the stretching uh, benefits that yoga introduces. And, and, you know, before I go to sleep and when I wake up in the morning, it, it just helps loosen me up and it helps my body. But uh, the actual practice of yoga, it's one thing to stretch. It's another thing to practice the religion of yoga, yep. um, which is a pagan practice. Uh, and and has a has a cult following here in the U.S. You know where even my my uh, you know it, it, where I work my place of work there uh, they offer uh, yoga as part of um, you know just a benefit for the employees and there's definitely you can't take away from the benefit the physical benefit of it but definitely uh, the cult following when it comes to uh, you know when it comes to yoga in, in our culture. Also, we start seeing influences to so say, for example, like I was saying in schools, science in itself, many people do not know this, but science stems from basic form of alchemy. Alchemy was taught in the Kabbalah. Kabbalah basically, like I was saying, Jewish mysticism teaching you how to elevate or how to transfer things. So in alchemy, it's basically changing one state to another. How people back in the days wanted to change lead into gold. And now we're seeing things like that even through our mind. So we're always taught, think positive, send it out to the universe. That's new age teachings based on pagan aspects from Celtic times. And we are being taught or basically conditioned to accept this as in truth. Mm. That we'll see, say, for example, a preacher might post a horoscope and say, oh, look, I'm a cancer and I am this or that, and this is my qualities. And we see Christians even accept this. I sometimes scroll down and I'll be looking at feeds and people are like, oh, look, I'm a Zodiac. Like, I mean, not I'm a Zodiac, but I'm a Scorpio or whatever. And I can't be with you because you're a Cancer or a Libra and my, my sign doesn't match with yours. And that always gets me iffy because if you're believing in God itself, if you believe in Christ, why are you associating with something that's completely what he 
told us to avoid divinations as like that sense i understand that people consider astrology a science it is you can study the stars but to the point where even in the cult it is told stars don't really necessarily decide your fate your fate is decided basically depending on what you do but people associated to say for example the stars were coordinated or were aligned in this aspect so my life would be joyous or my life would be prosperous or it would fail on this day that that's cults actually teaching mm-hmm. you th- these things and we don't even consider that so we start applying all of this to our lives and then it merges and confuses us to what is actually truth that right. is why sometimes we talked about what is truth what is lies we talked about fake news the things that are going on the influence that's happened and all of this has been happening since the beginning of time we could see it say for example a closer event where hitler hitler saw his race as the super race but yet that stemmed from madame blavatsky madame blavatsky was an occultic she was a spiritualist she introduced hinduism and buddhism to the west that's why we see a prominent force happening in the West with that aspect. That happened roughly around 1800s to 1940s. And now we see yoga masters and all this stuff. Like Mike was saying, we, saw, we see Christians practicing yoga, practicing yoga. Not necessarily, oh, I, I love the teachings or whatever. They're actually practicing it. So they're merging two households. What Christ warned us to do not to serve two masters, we're doing exactly that. You know, um, you know the interesting part about, um, you know, just kind of going back, we're, we're looking at how there's so much influence in, in you know, particularly in, in the church where we see the positive thinking movement, the, uh, and, 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 you know, and it, it's almost to say, and it's tough because as people listening, they're probably thinking, What's bad about positive thinking? Yes. What's bad about warding off negative thoughts and all of this? And, um, you know, and, 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 and it's tough to kind of nail down, but the reality is positive thinking doesn't necessarily change your situation. Uh, we're going to suffer regardless of, uh, of circumstances. And, yes, you can think positively, uh, which is great, but what is positive thinking? What does that even mean? You know, how relative is that to the situation? What is negative thinking? You know, what does that really mean? Um, and so relationships sometimes are tarnished because people are like, oh, you're so negative. Mm-hmm. And I get that. No, I understand. Like I, you know, to be around someone who's quote unquote negative, it's tough to be around somebody like that when you're trying to progress and you have goals and you got families to take care of and all that. But um, but it's just the the power that is given behind it to say this is the truth, this is golden. Instead of it being like something that we that can be practiced and, and, and something that has benefit, it's something that is seen as gospel, like this is the truth. Yes. When I know plenty of people who think positively all the time and they're as cheery as can be and their life is full of disasters. So it's not a streamlined process and the gospel doesn't even promise you that you won't suffer. In fact, Jesus promises that you would suffer. He says, in this life you will suffer. So, so in our attempt to avoid suffering, we start to think about all these cults. We are like, hey, I want to look at it, you know, all these, all these uh, practices. And, and even to go back to the science piece of it, science in it of itself, I even talked about it not too long ago. My faith is based on science. Like my, my, my faith is scientifically proven. 
and I don't have a problem with science. And in fact, I mean, we could dive into science. Yep. We, could, we could dive into biology. We could dive into astronomy. We could dive into just a whole mess of, 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 of different departments of science. And, and yeah, we'll agree. It's the philosophies that come from it that take away from God, that say we don't need God. And where it's like you briefly talked about before, most of the things, if not all the things, are good, like scripture says, are good. The only thing is Satan and demons have perverted it. Yeah. So it's basically, say, for example, we take sex or alcohol. Alcohol in itself, you could take a little wine. Even scripture says you could take a sip right. of wine. But it's the excess or the, the the loss of control. So we become mastered by it. Right. When when it starts to be an object of worship, yep. um, you know, sex is a phenomenal thing. But when it's done outside of the design of God. Again, we have to go back to where's our reference point. When we talked about worldviews, where is our reference? Where do we start? Who is the one creating the foundation of life? If we start to make up our own stuff, then yeah, we're, we're all over the place. Hence why we have so many cults. Hence yep. why we have so many different places of following and, and all this craziness. Um, it's because we're, we, we, we don't, we still want to hate God. We, we hate God. And we think all these rules, man, all these rules, man, what's, what's going yeah. on? Well, he is the one who created things. So we have to reference back to say, what did you design me for? You know, when I have an iPhone, I don't just throw it in the water and use it as a flotation device in my bath. I have to figure out what was it designed to do? What is it designed for? Let me figure out what it was designed for, or let me ask the creator. Let me find out from the one who designed it to tell me what are the functions and what's necessary and what is the purpose and the proper use of this phone. When I fail to use it according to the manufacturer, I break it. I don't take care of it. Um, I actually even don't maximize its potential. And we even, I think we, 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 we become stagnant in our lives because we are so accustomed to being satisfied by lesser things. Mm -hmm. We find joy and satisfaction in, in lesser things or things that enslave us, like these cult practices, that we fail to get the abundance of life, the joy of life, the enjoyment of everything that life has because we have not, we have not leaned on the creator and finding out from the creator himself what is life all about. How can I maximize my joy and, and, and really uh, maximizing my experience and my joy with him? He's everything. So, um, so uh, to, wrap, to wrap things up, when we think about um, where are we seeing all these, uh, you know, the, these cultish practices, uh, G named a bunch, but I mean, we could even look at, you know, movies. Yes, movies, uh, music. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of influence. All of the forms of entertainment are basically derived in the cult, cult itself. People, you could see, uh, say, for example, I don't want to give no shout outs to Tom Cruise, but Tom Cruise. Science shout out to Tom Cruise. <laughs> shout out to Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, like, say, for example, Will Smith. I don't know. I've heard he's not anymore, but he's in Scientology. But you'll have these prominent figures in Hollywood, and they're basically sharing the beliefs. Like, I saw an interview with uh, Samuel L. Jackson. He had a movie he did where basically he talks to an atheist, and he was playing the character of someone who was a Christian, a devout Christian. And end of the movie was left as a question as if the believer or Christian himself was turned. 
And that was perplexing in itself because Samuel L. Jackson's response to that was, God is the same God that's in every single religion. And I was just like, you have fans listening to you, accepting all of this. Like, they'll just see it. They'll pick it. They're like, oh, Denzel Washington said this. Or not Denzel, uh, Samuel L. Jackson said this. And I will believe it as well because he's my role model. Yeah, it's crazy. I had a, when I was in college, I had this professor. He was an older guy. And at the time, I was not a Christian. At the time, I was, you can, I can probably label myself agnostic. I think I was 18, um, soon to turn 19. And, um, and I remember him saying a comment in front of the class. It was a social studies class. And he said, and he actually had a Bible. And so he said, yep, I, I read the Bible. But, you know, the reality is all religions are, all religions are basically just on different sides of the mountain and they're all trying to get to the same peak. So in essence, uh, you follow these different practices and eventually you'll all get to the same peak. So they all serve the same God. And there was a girl that stood up and she opposed him. And I don't remember what the conversation was. All I know is she stood up passionately and she opposed him, but he was the older professor and really what he said goes. And I didn't get it at the time because I wasn't a believer. I really didn't care. And, and years later, as I thought back on it, I was like, man, if there is own, if there is one God, so there's two scenarios here that I'm going to play out for you. If there is one God, but he accepts the practices of all religions and all cults, if, he, if he's okay with all of these things and all you have to do is do good or do positive things or, or whatever, then he contradicts himself. He contradicts himself to, to holding a standard. He can't hold a standard. Yep. And, and he hasn't even made it clear as to what the standard is. And how do you achieve that standard? Because all religions in its essence, superficially they seem to be the same, but in their essence they're completely different. And so... They can't be on different sides of the mountain. Even even though those who claim not to hold on to, re, to a religious belief, they would too would be present on the mountain trying to achieve a form of salvation or trying to achieve some form of heaven. Um, and if there is one God, there is no way that he can accept all of them because he himself would contradict, he would contradict himself. Hence, he would become irrelevant and he would no longer be holy. So we have to exclude that. Okay, so scenario two is that there are a plurality of gods and they all are, there's a panel of gods and they all rule the universe together. And we have all these different religions and, uh, and they're all okay because these plurality of gods said, we're fine with it, we can get along and we're just all fine. So you have a panel of gods that cannot agree. So heaven in it of itself is chaotic. Is chaotic. And they cannot agree, and they don't know. They have completely different thoughts about what's right and wrong. They have completely different demands. So if heaven is chaotic, then the world, we're actually justified. All of us are justified because heaven is chaotic. So the gods who, who exist up there, if there are multiple gods, they can't judge us. They can't hold us to any standard. So really, whatever we say goes. They, they have no ability to judge us. Uh, part of what we're going to do today is just really ex 
find out from him like what that life looks like and what are some things that he was exposed to. Uh, and then we're going to dive into more specifically um, about just uh, cult life in general. So, I mean, you know, G, with all that you experienced, I mean, give me, give me like start from the beginning. Let's talk about your, your grandpa, talk about what he was involved in and some of the things that you saw. Um, I mean, just, just have at it. All right, it begins in seventh grade. Oh, about, little little G. <laughs> little little G. Back in the days when I was known as Geo, not Geology, for those of you who do not know. But yes, it started in seventh grade. It started with stories, roughly what my father would tell me he would experience with his dad. Basically, he would come home and there would be an altar with a picture of a man that looked like Jesus, but wasn't really Jesus. And then he would put coffee every time at seven o'clock in the morning. And my dad would go check the coffee five minutes later, and the empty cup would just sit there. For real? For real. Wow. It would just be an empty cup. And then my dad would keep telling me the stories. And eventually, my mom got to move in with my dad. And they lived with my grandfather for a minute. And I still didn't know anything what my grandfather was getting into or was into. But I was roughly told just little snippets of stories that got me interested, curious. So, ends up going, my mom is telling me another story a few weeks later on. I don't know why they just kept mentioning these stories. Like she woke up one day, she saw my grandfather. He basically got a chicken, cut the head off, and then in a circle would do like, draw like a circle basically of blood. And then in the middle of it would be a box. And then he would bury the box and then come back at night, pick up the box and reasons be told, there was numbers written inside the box. And then my dad would be like, oh, he would tell us to play these numbers. And my dad would just ignore him. But yet my grandfather would come in like the next week and he said, look, I won this amount on the lotto. And I would just be perplexed, like, how, how is that possible? So my curiosity even would go even further. And then keep going on. My mother was telling me about this other story of how they got some voodoo priest. Basically, they had her spit in a spoon, put the spoon on a needle and the needle would bend the other way, meaning the handle would bend. And by that time already, my curiosity, I imagine a seventh grader, not really going into a lot of the worrying about high school, worrying about college. He just was worrying about his life, what was going on, having fun. But yet it started to intrigue me a lot in the sense that my dad started telling me what my grandfather was actually into. Story turns out to be my grandfather was a Grand Master Mason, 33 degree. He was a grand black priest as well. And he basically studied magic in hand. He had a journal. Um, a lot of when he died, he died, I would say roughly around my eighth grade year. He basically had all his stuff. My other grandfather found it, threw everything away except for his journal and his wallet, which was handed down back to me. And that escalated tremendously so that was like basically my introduction i didn't know that much spanish but i started to learn spanish just to see what my grandfather was going through and that in itself was just mind-boggling because so the journal was written in in spanish then the journal was written in spanish okay. and also a language i did not really know yet at the time which i will go on even further into that later on but it was basically like a Jumpstart. It was his journal, but in the sense, also his black book, what witches and wizards or sages call their spell book or 
the one where they collect all their information basically mm. so so keep going so so you had uh this encounter with the book you start to dive into spanish uh you understand the spanish language a little bit more and and so what came from that so in your reading what did you learn what was what experience did you have in the beginning it was basically things that my grandfather would see things that my grandfather would do but at the moment i didn't really understand any of it because i was just learning it's just you're introduced to this broad immense amount of knowledge that not a lot of people learn from schools but i was i mean i was curious like i said before but that had me also look into various things he would talk about so say for example he mentioned a sacrifice i would look it up google it i mean a seventh grader looking up a sacrifice come on that's that, that's something you only see in the movies something like you see in a poltergeist film but i wasn't fully aware of what was actually happening end up being two weeks into it reading and like vastly amount of knowledge that i was reading looking up i started having dreams visions Roughly, like I said, two weeks, I had a dream about this entity that presented itself. Within that entity, there was a figure behind them. I won't mention names because I believe that demons do have powers, and when you do have the names, they get summoned. So I don't want to open any doors in that sense, even though we are protected by the blood of Christ. But this entity was there, and within that, he asked me, do you want to know what men have not known for many or past lives or for many years something that's always been hidden and of course i was curious to the fact of everything i didn't know that everything was connected to what i was researching because i thought it was just a dream so i agreed to the terms within that agreement of the terms i didn't know at the time i was going to be possessed so basically what you are probably thinking at home in your car listening on your phones and what mike is thinking right here sitting across from G. Yes, it was basically a demonic or spiritual entity basically entering. I was giving him the invite. Not like you see in the Poltergeist films where you see the little girl, she's just laying in bed and then the demon just takes over. It right, was and she levitates and yes, all that. Is that was, that's not what happened. It was basically in a dream. And with two weeks after that, I don't know why it wasn't usually in a span or one week, two weeks, sometimes it was two months, three months, but... Two weeks after that incident with the scar, I started hearing a voice. I thought it was going crazy at first. I mean, typically you see mental patients always talking to themselves. You think you're schizophrenic. But I would actually hear a voice audible. Like if you, for example, Mike, were just talking to me right there. And I would just continue as if I wasn't hearing it. But then one day, I saw something in the reflection. It wasn't necessarily like, oh, look, you see something like a shadow. It was literally like you see another person right next to you but when you turn to face it it's nothing there now i mean in occultics or the ritual aspect in spells mirrors are say for example used as gateways so what i was actually seeing was the entity that i saw in the dream and within that he gave me his name he told me that i am basically his and that he would teach me the things that i promised to learn and i wasn't even fully aware at the time that this was a demonic possession, demonic entity, demonic contract in itself, but yet I saw it all as the fun learning experience. That's how I saw it. My curiosity was being fed, and that's something the cults or cults promise that you're going to attain this huge amount of wisdom or attain another level of consciousness, but yet 
where you're not even realizing it, you're falling deeper and deeper into a trap. Wow. So, so this happens. So you have, uh, you know, that, that spirit that has the confrontation with you. Um, so what happened in the years to come? So you have, you start to learn more about the magic. You start to learn more about the occult, not just through research, but through this personal, you can always, you can almost say a personal relationship with this being. Um, so what happened? What, what, what transpired after that? Uh, and then, and then we'll talk about how you kind of were broken away from, from that. Okay, so I'm going to call this Entity S. Let's just leave it at S. Entity S. Wherever you are, you garbage. All right. So S would talk to me occasionally. After a moment of a span of one or two months, I became actually best friends with him. Like I considered him a brother, uh, another father figure, because he was always there. No matter what I was going through, he was always there. No matter who I needed to talk to. He was always there guiding me. Now, sometimes I would see him, sometimes I would not. But all the time, I can hear him, and he would speak to me. While yet other people did not listen to him or whatever. Like, sometimes I would have moments where we would have a contract in itself, and he would just ask, can I use a day? And at the time, I was just like, sure, I didn't know what it was. So I would just give him a day. But at that moment, I didn't know that I would completely black out. Like, completely. I didn't know what anything was going on. It was just like if I was in a dream. And then I would just wake up. And at that moment, I noticed that, literally, it was like he took control. And I had no occurrence what was happening until people would tell me or it just started coming back slowly, like images. And at the time, you think you're just another bipolar person or have multiple personality disorders, but it was not that whatsoever because I've looked into all that stuff and... At the time, I was always skeptical what was happening because, like I said, I was an atheist at the time. Yes, we went to church a lot. I was raised in a Methodist family, but I was always atheist to the core. I believed that there was no God. I wasn't going to be punished for my sins. I thought that was all a joke. And yet, here comes this supernatural entity in itself just crashing my doors like if it was nothing. So I jumped from atheism to jewish uh, mysticism which is the kabbalah i started learning about chakras our seven points the eight chakras all that stuff and then that escalated into hinduism buddhism and then finally into the last step which was the lima the lima is basically magic in itself founded by alistair crowley and i don't i believe i've mentioned it before but alistair crowley yes he was a huge influence in my life in the sense, not only like magicians or some uh, musicians in today's age that they get influenced by his teachings, but he basically taught, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law in his book, which basically stems into what we have nowadays, which is do whatever you want. Or say, for example, like we talked about previously in episode two, which is YOLO, like you only live once, so might as well don't even focus on the consequences, just do whatever you like. And that escalated a lot more in the lima since it was basically you start learning the differences that there is no difference in black or white magic magic is just magic to him alistair crowley or what he taught based on also teachings of eliphas levi a french uh philosopher and magician at the time during the 1782s he basically taught that magic is the conformity of the will 
meaning that magic in itself is not something that you see in a Harry Potter movie. It's basically everything around you. Nature, your choices, what you're doing to people. Basically, magic in itself is you and the universe. That's it. So there's a, there's a, a real experience of the spiritual world. Um, that I think our culture tends to stem away from. We, we think many of the things that we do are just, it's just the, the computer. It's just social media. It's just uh, me hanging out with friends or it's just me having sex or it's just, but we fail to get, there's a, there's a spiritual connection because we are, although we're, we're you know, we have, we have bodies and we operate, uh, physically, we were tangible beings. Uh, there's a spirit essence about us uh, in which, you know, everything around us, there's some kind of spiritual connected connection uh, in which the things that we do and um, we, we sometimes don't realize that the actions that we take or the decisions that we make um, don't just have a physical consequence, but they connect us to some kind of spiritual reality that maybe we don't have experience like G did with the, uh, you know, with, with the actual spirit presence that we yes. can name or we can see or we can hear. Uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a unheard unspoken spirit in which, uh, we can easily become entrapped and we could easily become enslaved to our desires. We easily become enslaved to, um, to the demands of this world, to the demands of people, to the influence of culture, uh, to, to music. Music, like you said, music, uh, if you do your research, uh, you know, this was something that was huge probably like eight years ago where everyone was doing research on music and, and everybody was seeing all the cult, um, the, 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 the cult teachings within popular music. And since that time, it kind of died off and, and the people who did the research were just so caught up in identifying and being able to say hey this is cultish this is um you know this is teachings of such and such and this is demonic there was really no substitute and there was really no progression into then what is the truth what is the you know how can we counteract this spiritual feeding or the spiritual warfare for my soul so if if there is uh, if there is a way, if there is an avenue, if there is a, a war for my life, if there is something that is uh, designed or something that is that is present for me to, um, you know, to, to, to be enslaved in, then there has to be another way. There has yep. to be a place where there is there is freedom. There has to be a place where there's uh, awareness. There has to be a place where there's truth. And and that stems in in the gospel that stems in uh, in the person of Jesus, the historical person of Jesus, the verified person of Jesus. And uh, and we failed, I think, uh, in many cases as the church, I think we failed many times to, um, you know, to, to to make that connection and to say, look, this is the truth and this is not. Um, you know, I worked at a bank for six years and, and Tony Evans, uh, famous preacher, um, he used this analogy and maybe other preachers use this analogy as well, but he was the one that, that I recall saying it. Um, 
when when you are studying counterfeit money, you don't study counterfeit money. You study the real money. And when you understand the real money, the counterfeit is easy to spot. And having worked in banking for six years, we learned how to verify the real money so well that I could be counting, you know, stacks and stacks of, uh, of money. It could be five, ten, twenty thousand dollars And as I'm counting by hand and I can spot a fake like nobody's business, literally as I'm counting, I can throw it on, you know, I can throw it aside. That's crazy. In the midst of counting because I just know it. I felt it. I saw it. I smelled it. It's just, it's so distinct that it's fake. And what happens, uh, you know, within, uh, within life, I mean, people who are, who are not even Christian or people who are questioning, who are listening to the show right now might be questioning their faith, you know, where they stand, might be agnostic, kind of, you know, on this, on this weird uh, place and not knowing where to go. Um, th- there has to be truth. There has to be truth because the spirit realm is real yes. and the spirit realm wants us. And there's a reason why there's a want uh, there, there's a desire uh, in that spirit realm to want our attention, to want our bodies, to want our minds to be enslaved. And so, you know, in G's experience right there, I mean, dang, you, you, you had the spirit being teaching you all these things. And, and so, I mean, you know, you went through, uh, you know, having the teachings of, of Crawley, having the influence and starting to see things in a different way. And you have all these awareness of symbols and, and what's going on in music. So what eventually happened? So how did you go from this hyper awareness of what was going on? And, and even let's just backtrack. I remember you saying that, um, you used to do lucid dreaming as well. Like that's part of the whole system. Yes. Um, back in the days or how some people I talk to nowadays, I usually warn them against lucid dreaming. Lucid dreaming is being popularized. You can see it in, say, for example, the movie Inception. I don't know if you saw that, Mike. Yeah, Inception is, is, is actually a dope movie. I love that movie. It's really interesting. But when G turned me on to, to understanding what lucid dreaming is, it did bring an awareness. And actually, um, I was doing some uh, trying to put the baby to sleep. Uh, you know, we were finding things like white noise or something yes. to, to find uh, so that we can help the baby sleep. And a lot of the results I was I was getting was the promotion of lucid dreaming or dreaming, or yes. or this other type of dreaming. Um, and they would show you techniques on how you yes. can actually evoke lucid dreaming. All right. So lucid dreaming, in essence, is basically you being able to control your own dreams now for some people that might sound amazing and believe me if you look at it in an occultic way it is probably one of the best experiences you can probably have but that is a trap in itself because what most people don't realize is it is more addicting than any drug you can find on earth meaning i don't know if you remember this mike most of the times back in the days at church when we used to attend the same one, I would always be sleeping either before service or after service when I had to stay over. But that was because of my constant thing in the past, which was I wanted to be more in the dream than I wanted to be more in reality, mm. which a lot of people don't really understand. But I'll explain it to you now. Basically, within the dream, Entity S would teach me. So everything I did not learn here in reality I will learn in the dream. We basically developed a system of what we would call, at the time, it was Hidiganian. Hidiganian basically was the place in itself 
where I can basically reach a higher level of consciousness. Within that, I started interpreting or doing connections between ancient languages such as ancient Berber to Umamites, which was a race of supposed aliens that were talking to the Africans during the time of Atlantis and Lumeria. And then we put it all together with my grandfather's language. And that in itself connects with Enochian. If people know what Enochian is, it's the language supposedly of the angels. And that all tied in together. So we have over here the languages, basically, of the angels, quote-unquote. And then we have all this spiritualism, all this lucid dreaming that's happening. And I'm basically reaching a level of higher consciousness, which is something that the cults, the cultic people, they always tend to always point out to. So that is a danger in itself because I was always dreaming, so to speak. And now, I mean, now look at me now. I hardly just sleep now, but that's because <laughs> of his job and all yes. kinds of craziness. But um, so, OK, so so we're going to dive back into, um, you know, that that piece of not the lucid dreaming, but, you know, the presence of this kind of uh cult activity within within every day we're going to look at that but i think it's interesting that uh you mentioned always dreaming and i think something just triggered in my head i think it's fun it's 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 something to think about i mean there's no analysis there's no research behind it it's just me kind of thinking out loud but you know when i look at some people as far as how deep they get into fantasy world the the Harry Potters the mm-hmm. the you know the Lord of the Rings um, Star Wars the Disney's the you know there there's this there's a sense of wanting to always be in fantasy and now I'm not knocking the creative because G is is a creative G is an artist he he draws he writes um, you know that's that's what he does uh, and if you if you are looking for a, a designer, if you're looking for someone to write, hit us up, uh, proofbeyondreason at gmail.com. You can get in touch with Gio. Um, so I'm not knocking the creative piece of it because there is a creative genius behind uh, some, of the, some of those things. But when we're living a lifestyle of fantasy and of dreaming, um, it, it's, it's almost like, we're removed from reality, the reality of our condition. We're removed from the reality of uh, what people actually go through. We're removed from certain realities that I think some people just want to escape. Some people have been through so much hell, seemingly hell here on earth. Um, abuse, um, you know, divorce, poverty, just so many struggles. Uh, physical ailments that they they want to escape reality because reality hurts reality um uh, it, it 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 sucks for lack of a better term but when we live a lifestyle that is in fantasy that's all we think about that's all we do is we 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 escape the reality then we actually don't have freedom because we're we're digging deeper and deeper and deeper into a dream world. We're digging deeper and deeper and deeper into our sin, our, our depravity. And we're not finding the real escape. We're not finding the real, um, you know, the real essence of what life should be. And uh, and so in addition to, 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 to your point of diving deeper into into dreams, like when you're sleeping, I think there's a sense of that uh, when, we, when we look at just how some lifestyles can 
push back reality when we should be facing reality and looking, searching for the truth so that we can truly be set free so that we can actually know what joy is, what the abundance of life means. And we can carry out real dreams. We can carry out real initiatives. We can help people. We can, we can be part of, uh, of movements that, 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 that help uh, you know, people uh, see the truth and, and all that good stuff. So, um, so anyway, so, so to just continue before we get into where the presence of all of this is in, in terms of the culture, how did the Lord save you from this situation? So uh, you're, you're, deep, you're knee deep in the occult, you're learning languages, you're, 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 you're under, you understand the magic, man, you, you, you just, your mind is full, you got the spirit entity walking around with you, where's the freedom? Okay, so back to my high school years, way back, I'm, I'm kind of old, getting old, I'm about to be 26 soon, but that ah. was like, that was like, I would say when I was 13, 12, this young buck over here, that was like a decade ago, but anyway, uh, so going back to high school, I was in my 10th grade year. Back in the days, they knew me as Shadow. A lot of people, if you're listening to who knew me back in the days as Shadow, you could see how much um, things have changed. But I was known as Shadow. Now, I was known as Shadow for two things. One, I did do graffiti, so that was technically my tag name. Two, they considered me as cold as ice. Like, I literally had no soul. But that's because at the level I was at in my quote-unquote ascension, I was supposed to disregard all human emotions. I was supposed to see myself as a higher entity, that I transcended humanity, and that I did not need to lower myself to the levels of any human. But that is mostly what led mostly to my quote-unquote demise in itself because I was proud. I considered myself my own god, which is something the cults or the cultic people, they tend to always do. They try to enforce that you are your god. And I feel like that's something most atheists nowadays mm. tend to think that they're their own gods. Maybe, yeah, maybe indirectly even. Yes. yes. Yeah. But, I mean, continuing on, it was... 10th grade year, like I said, I was roughly 12, 13 years old, if I remember correctly, my age. But there was problems that started happening with my family, meaning my dad lost his job, my brother lost his job, um, and then all of a sudden we had to decide to live on the streets. Now that forced me to start leaving or moving away from any of my studies. I would typically go to the library and just look up history or any type of spell book on the internet as well. I would go at home, look at that as well, but I only had my black book, my spell book. And that I ended up losing midway through the whole process of becoming homeless. I was homeless roughly around five to six months. I basically was us living in a car, stopping in every turnpike booth, and just sleeping there. There was nights where... We would sleep there for two hours. A cop would knock on our window because he saw us the, the day before. And then he would tell us to just move along. And since then, we decided to, well, my dad decided to just move us up to Orlando. He said he knew people, so he wanted to come to Orlando. So I was just like, all right, whatever. We could decide to do that. And then basically we came here. When we came here, it was basically complete i don't know what happened to me because at the time my focus was not magic my focus was surviving every day we would have to struggle just to gather up 
like a few cents just to get a pack of hot dogs and just find a way to heat up the hot dogs so each of us can have like one hot dog or like a hot cocoa mix that we got like for a dollar. Sometimes family would send money over and we would have to try to find a way to get money. So at the time, my whole mentality was survivability. I would be awake at nights because it was only a four door car, like a little Nissan Altima 94. I still have the car in the back of my house if y'all ever want to check it if you're in Florida. But yes, it was basically that. They would sleep in the car and I would go on the top of my hood and just stay there wide awake every single night, just watching people in Walmart passing through and I would just be there. And I wouldn't even think about anything else. I would just make sure that everyone was well rested so that when morning came and my brother and sister had to go find something to work or find like some way to get money, I would sleep there. I would literally pass out. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why I developed delayed sleep syndrome, which was because I did not sleep at night. My body got accustomed to basically staying awake every single night from the time it went dark all the way until like eight o'clock in the morning. And from that, we started going to this one church. My mom got in contact with my godfather, and then my godfather gave the recommendation to go to this church. And at the moment I went to that church, they had this big like festival kind of thing where they were giving out food. They knew about our situation. And one of the ladies asked me briefly, she was like, are you a Christian? I was just nodding, yes, yes, whatever. I didn't care about it all at the time. But I didn't even really pay attention to the message. It was what this lady told me. She was just like, God will always provide. And I just, my mind was always racing to what has God done for me since I have already been in this situation. But yet that kept knocking at my door. Occasionally we would get money to go to a hotel. But like I said, most of the nights was in the car. That night after the church, we went and we basically slept in the car. We didn't really tell people like if they can help us out. We just basically just said our situation and then hope for the best in my. Well, that's what I believe my parents thought. But um, keep going on that same night. I basically prayed. I was asking God. I was like, God, if you exist, I will serve you if you help my family. Now, I wasn't necessarily testing God. I was just basically surrendering. I was tired. I basically came from nothing or I had something, then had nothing, thinking that I had everything because of what I knew, but yet that was reduced to complete zero because my own knowledge didn't even help me in the situation I endured. So basically I said, God, if you help me, I will give my life to you. Next day, a lady calls us. She asked if we can stay with her for a while until we get settled. And since then, I started going to church. I started reading the word. But still, I was not really committed Christian, so to say. It moved on from that to us going to the church where I met Mike, which uh, it was a fun experience. But it was also an eye-opener because he started uh, introducing me to some brothers, Paul Washer. Shout out to Paul Washer. Paul. And Ravi Sekharaya. What you know. Yes. And uh, those brothers in the faith, they helped me, even though without help, really helping me. I was introduced to the gospel, basically, essentially the gospel itself by Braille. Shout out to Braille. I Ooh, love your music. Old time. Yes. Uh, but yes, I started listening to the gospel through that way. Music in itself, Lecrae, Braille. And that basically had me erasing a lot of what I learned. 
So basically, I had all this knowledge of magic, ritual, spells, and then now I was basically seeing the real truth to it all. Because at the time, I didn't know that it was bad. I just saw that it was like, yeah, in the movies, people consider it bad, but whatever, they didn't really know what it actually meant. They didn't know that you can actually achieve a higher level of consciousness. That's what my thought process was. Later on, few, I would say months, which is when me and Mike actually became good, good pals, and since and still are to this day, uh, it was basically, I was going through a rough patch in life, and I decided to go back with Entity S. I basically did a spell to summon him. I started talking to him. He started basically taking over, and that one night, I was actually fully possessed. Mike was there to experience the whole thing. It was crazy, but he had me walk outside to the church. It was a full moon blazing, and we were outside, but that's because he saw that I was, I looked pissed off the whole service. Like, I didn't want to yeah, hear. Yeah, I remember any, that. I didn't want to hear anything what was going on, but he basically pulled me aside, got me outside, and Entity S would, went all out on Mike, and Mike was rebuking the heck out of him, and then it ended up being Mike praying over me, and then my scar, which is in my left arm, completely disappeared the following days, following after that. And that was something that always marked me, not in the sense, no puns intended, but I'm just saying that it marked me in the sense that I saw the real power of God. Like, I saw that no matter what I learned, no matter how powerful another entity claims he is, no matter what Satan supposedly said about me, I was all God. Like, God prepared me since birth, and he knew the plans he had for me. Amen. Amen. I mean, and, and you know, I think a lot of our listeners, myself included, you know, I may not have experienced the specifics, as I mentioned before, of that spiritual uh, captivity in terms of having that entity that I knew well and personally and had the research and the knowledge, but... Um, you know, man, you know, just growing up in a household where there was tarot card readings, you know, growing up in a household where, um, where, you know, you, you would, you would think that you're worshiping, uh, the true God, the only God, yep. uh, the creator of heaven and earth, all that is seen and unseen. Um, you would think you're worshiping him, but in reality, you're involved in a pagan practice where you're worshiping idols and, um, and, and, you know, where you're in an environment where there's, you know, there's alcoholism and there's drugs present. And um, and so it's 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 pretty tough, uh, you know, to 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 see that and witness that. And you really think it's just circumstance, but you really void the reality that it's all tied to this topic that we're that we're going to go back to, which is which is cults. Yep. And so um, but if there is a holy God who does not contradict himself who who has a standard and who has provided a way because we all we have not met the standard then that's a god of consistency that's a god who has power that's a god who's holy that we can lean on uh, and that's one that we can we can follow um so so to wrap it up you know, we, we, we talked about occults and, and I mean, there's so much more we could dive into as far as Freemasonry. Um, you know, we might get into that uh, maybe in future episodes. Uh, but in our next episode, we're going to look at uh, the problem of evil. And that's something, I mean, you left off with finding that standard. So we have an all-powerful God who is good, 
But what exactly then is evil? Yeah, what is the standard? What is evil? Does evil exist? Why do people think evil exists? Um, you know, and so when we look at the occult, the occult tries to identify different um, different standards for one, but two, um, the the morality structure is just so there's a huge influx of of morality, and uh, and and so the need to really hone in and figure out what is what does it mean to to live in a culture where there's there's an occult you know i challenge you we challenge you do your research uh learn about these things uh become more self-aware so that you can be effective in this life you can live your life with wisdom uh and you can hopefully um you know not waste your life but you can serve the true living god all right well that's a wrap the episode went a little bit longer than we had anticipated but you know i think we got a lot of content out there so tune in next week again we're going to be talking about the problem of evil and and so hit us up facebook shout out to matthew movement uh matthewmovement.com this is geology mike the baptist signing out